a big welcome to uh, Mr. George Malouf. Well, I think we're going to have you sit on the end, if that's okay. Charles, All right. All right. Uh, I want to say another, another big thank you to uh, Mr. George Malouf, not just for being here with us, but for hosting this entire event. It's, You're welcome. It's very big of you. Yeah. All right. He, uh, he's a busy man, so we are going to get started. Um, welcome to the Vegas Gang Podcast for August 16th, 2008, live from the Palms. I, uh, I want to thank everyone for being here. Uh, I know I'm excited. I think you guys are too. I'm going to quickly introduce uh, my co-host here, and then we'll get started. Uh, on my left, I have Dave Schwartz from uh, UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. Hey. We've got uh, Jeff Simpson from the Las Vegas Sun and In Business Las Vegas. Welcome, Jeff. Good afternoon, everyone. David McKee from the Las Vegas Advisor. It's his birthday today, so give him an extra round of applause. <laughs> Feliz cumpleaños. I think we've embarrassed thank him you. enough. And we have uh, Chuck Monster from VegasTripping.com. Hey, Chuck. Hey, how's it going? All right. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to get right to it. I'm going to start with Dave Schwartz, number one seat. Uh, basically, to prep for this thing, we each sort of thought of some questions we could ask George, and we're just going to get right into it. So, uh, Dave, are you ready to hit it? Absolutely. Go for it. Sure, George. Uh, with the Palms being so successful here in Vegas, I was wondering what the prospects were for expansion to another jurisdiction, um, either with a Palms-type casino or more of a locals-type um, brand. You know, uh, we've, we've always looked at lots of things. Um, you know, fortunately, we have a great brand, and uh, it will work in other places. So there'll be a time. <laughs> cool. Any, um, can you give us any <laughs> sort of advance or, or anything? How about Atlantic City? As an Atlantic City native, I've always thought that the Palms would be a hit there. You know, I think our brand would work well in Atlantic City. Um, there's a lot going on there right now, so mm -hmm. I don't know if now's the right time, but... Uh, it's uh, we 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 look at opportunities. We'll do other things, definitely. Great. Thank I want to make sure that you guys know if you guys want to jump in, if you want to follow up on anything, please feel free as we as we head through it. Um, Jeff, how about you? Do you what do you how, where do you want to take this from here? Um, George, uh, I've been uh, interviewing you for almost a decade now, and you've been in the business almost twice that long. Um, I guess I'd like to ask a question about Las Vegas. Um, Dating, you've been um, here dating back to your days at UNLV, um, and I'm just wondering what about the old Vegas, the Vegas that you remember when you first came here, what do you miss most about the old Vegas? And then on the flip side of that, what about the new Vegas? What change in Vegas do you like the most, um, leaving aside the palms? Um, <laughs> but what, what about the old Vegas do you miss the most? What about the new Vegas do you like the most? Uh, well, there's a lot about the old Vegas that I miss because, um, you know, I've been a student of Las Vegas for a long time. So uh, there's parts of town that, uh, you know, I've always had certain uh, maybe uh, a passion for and uh, things about Las Vegas that I've always, you know, uh, been attracted to. So um, as far as old Vegas, comparing it now, uh, it's, it's definitely a different world. I think the concept is still the same. People come to Las Vegas to have fun. I don't think that's ever changed um, or will ever change. Um, and people look at this town uh, as a getaway. Um, we have so much more to offer now than we did you know, even 10, 15 years ago. 
Uh, I think that's the most amazing part about Las Vegas now. Uh, and it's a complete destination. It's not, I, I, I've been to other cities uh, recently and you can't compare the experience. You just can't do it. Uh, it no matter how much people uh, are talking about Las Vegas and the economy now and uh, all that stuff, which I, I'm really sick of hearing about, but um, you can't beat it as a destination. There's no place like it in the world. And it's hard to compete with that at the end of the day. So I think New Vegas is, is part of that. And uh, the best thing about Las Vegas is it always expands and it, people come up with new ideas. And uh, we have the most creative minds in the world in a four mile radius here in Las Vegas. Um, very proud of the city. Thanks, George. I actually, I have a, qu a question that sort of builds off of that. Regarding uh, Palms Place, which recently opened, you know, it is somewhat of a, maybe a challenging market for condos in this current situation. I was there today for the first time and we had lunch. It was actually fantastic. If you haven't been, you should go eat at Simon. It was great. But, you know, has it been difficult getting into an opening phase in this environment at all? It's probably a question you should get spun a million different ways <laughs> on Thursday. But I'm just curious. And as someone that's now done it and it's running and it's going. You know, it's going great. Uh, in this environment and you know when we started closings on the, the property's been sold out for four years and we started our closings in March and you know I really uh, probably had a little anxiety didn't know what to expect I mean we, we started closing in the worst possible time maybe in the history of mankind um, today it's going very well extremely well and uh, you know it's a great property uh, we built it for um, to last for a long time. It's not something that, you know, we thought we'd get in and get out with it. Uh, I'm not a developer from New York or Florida that's coming in here and trying to flip it. Um, my name is all over that place, literally. And uh, it, uh, the reaction to the guests staying and to the owners who have closed has been phenomenal, um, much greater than I anticipated. So uh, it's a process, but we're getting through it and it's doing very well. You know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned your name being all over it. I know you think of some of the developers that have been here for a while. Uh, Steve Wynn's a great example, obviously. You know, his name's all over his building. He's not going anywhere. It seems like maybe the folks that have been here and know the town, not the folks that are coming in on a whim to make some quick money when it seems so easy. It seems like the ones that have been here are the ones that are really built to last. That's right. That's right. I mean, we're not and, going anywhere. <laughs> George, uh, this isn't the first time you opened in a tough environment. The, the original Palms opened a couple months after 9-11. So uh, the great thing about that is it keeps getting better and better from that tough opening environment. Yeah, that's right. Jeff remembers well. <laughs> Jeff's, uh, David Jeff's McKee, you got a question for George? Yeah, well, and I remember there was a lot of skepticism back at that time about, well, gosh, you know, it's different business model, it's a bad time to be opening a casino, and you know, seven years later, um, obviously that's uh, proven to be quite uh, concerns that were ill-founded. Um, you've always been a very hands-on operator, but in those seven years, this place has grown enormously. Now you've got three towers instead of the initial one, a concert hall, boutique casino uh, up in the Playboy Club. How much more do you have to delegate? Or do you see a point where if this property or brand grows much bigger, where you'll have to cease being quite so much of a active presence on the floor? 
Well, I think that, uh, first of all, I've had a lot of help. You know, I haven't done all this by myself. And, I've, you know, we have a great staff and great employees. I mean, it's been remarkable the amount of uh, support uh, that I get and uh, care that uh, people have in our, that work here. And the turnover's been, you know, basically nil, which is amazing. So uh, as you grow, you have to depend on people to help you out, absolutely. Uh, and the key is taking, you know, a vision that you have and helping and having people believe in you and, and help you execute that. So it's, it, you know, it, you can have a business, a small business or a big business, and it's really what the vision is and uh, how you get people to uh, sign off on that and focus on it. On this specific piece of land, is there, is there room to do anything more if you wanted to? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. There's always room to expand. We, we have uh, our site's about 36 acres. We have a lot of land, and we will do other things. Excellent. Uh, Chuck. Yeah, George, uh, from the tourist perspective, which is where uh, my mindset is, uh, the Palms has won many, many uh, awards, best of awards, for having a great slot floor. How exactly do you balance playability versus ensuring that you're, uh, you're going to make a profit? Uh, secondarily, uh, it's, it's come t to the press recently that a lot of the riverboat casinos, I believe, in Indiana and uh, Illinois have uh, tightened up, ratcheted down their, their payback percentages because of declining attendance. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts about sacrificing uh, playability and the, your relationship with the people who gamble in your casinos versus ensuring exactly the bottom line. Well, I think um, going back to the Fiesta days, you know, we've always, I've always believed in offering good value uh, on your slot floor. And I brought that over to the Palms. Um, you know, we still have... Uh, we're still loaded with full pay games and really what changes is the demand for uh, the different types of product that uh, your customer wants so as that changes you know you have to keep up with that um, but uh, I still believe and it is true that you know our slot floor uh, uh, has the most liberal pay tables of anybody in Las Vegas and um, that, that's that's a that's a fact so I don't know if that answered your question, but uh, I'm curious how how do you know exactly where the sweet spot is for you, you, for playability? The thing where where's the line that makes that seems to make players happy versus you? How do you gauge the public reaction and how quickly are you willing to respond to to what people are telling you about what's going on on the floor? Well, I think you have. A, a really, uh, a, a really uh, uh, s uh, smart local market a player that there's that player that understands and knows exactly what machine to play and how to play, and then so you, you cater somewhat to them, and then you know the the other slot player that is looking for his machine or her machine um, that wants to try something new and something different, so. The key is keeping those products on the floor and having those products and, and being able to change and having the capital to put in new machines. So that's really the key is, is keeping it fresh. And, and it's hard sometimes to, you know, 
pick the right uh, machines at the right time. Um, and sometimes you miss, uh, but you want to be right there with that product. Very important, or you'll, you'll lose ground fast. Uh, as a sort of a, a related follow-up, I think I, I think I remember reading once that you like to have financial information sent to your phone on a regular basis to get status updates. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I'm, I have a question about technology uh, in the gaming industry. Uh, for me, it has seemed like traditionally gaming is an industry that may be a little slow to pick up on technological trends. Um, how important is technology to the Palms as an organization, and do you see that role changing at all, uh, growing, shrinking, moving? It's a constant thing. You know, how do you communicate with your, your customers? That's, we talk about it all the time, you know, email, uh, texting, you know, what's changing? How, how do we, how do, we um, do things that um, we can uh, focus on, cost, looking at the cost, and saying how, what, what's going to bring in our customers and when they get here how do we communicate with them so that's a, the constant thing uh, as far as my phone um, yeah I, I, I literally get I know what's going on every hour I, uh, being single uh, and having nothing to do sometimes um, it's kind of an obsessive thing but yeah I, I know I know what's happening and I could be in uh, Cabo <laughs> or Jeff called me a couple weeks ago and know exactly even though I didn't have my phone I, I actually lost my phone that's a bad example. Um, but three in the morning, I check my phone. Yeah, see what's going on. I, uh, I have an unrelated question. Um, it, the Palms has really developed into uh, a very formidable contender in terms of nightlife. You guys have at least two fully functional clubs, lounges, bars, playboy club, a lot of different options. I'm curious, do you think that there's any danger in the potential of alienating some groups of customers that might not like that vibe? Maybe a certain high roller type of customer that may not be so into that whole scene. Do you think there's any danger in alienating certain groups of customers with that product? You know, I don't think there is at the Palms because of our design. Uh, you know, it was very intentional uh, when we were looking at the original plans on where we placed things and how that worked with, you know, your, the... Uh, the flow of the customer, the local customer, the out-of-town customer, and where they're going at what time. So all that played into part of the design. So we don't, we don't have an issue with it. We really don't. Uh, if somebody wants to go to one of our nightclubs, they go. Uh, if they don't want to go, they, they, they don't. They'll go to another restaurant or they'll, um, they'll play. You know, this side of the casino, they, you know, half the time they don't know what the other half of this casino is doing. So it's unique that way. George, um, one of the things that um, I've always been, um, I've always admired is, and Dave mentioned, David mentioned this, how what a hands-on manager you are. The thing I, I'll cite to people is how often you change your marquee. Um, I look at other locals' properties in town. They're all good marketers. Um, it's a very competitive business. Um, your marquee may change a couple times a day. Um, I'll go buy marquees at other locals' properties and I'll refer to events that took place two days ago. Um, so that's something that um, I think is, uh, it, it sort of shows that you are right on top of things. One question I've asked you before, and I know that you visit other locals and other, and strip casinos as well, you like the business you're in, you like to see what people are up to. Um, how many, if you look at an average month, um, how many different casino visits to places outside your own do you think you make in a month? And what, what, 
what do you get out of those? What do you, what, what do you learn? What do you bring back that helps you um, better your property here and, uh, and uh, run the pumps? Well, it's something that I've always done. So it's just inherent to, if I'm going to go out, I'll go to another casino, you know, even to enjoy myself. Uh, and I'll notice what's happening there at different times of the day. I've always done that. You know, that's been an important part of uh, kind of the growth and understanding the market. You know, we have 75 casinos in Las Vegas. Uh, it's the most competitive business environment in the world. There is no more competitive business environment. So if you're going to compete, you have to understand what other people are doing. And, uh, you know, the marquee, uh, we're very proud of that marquee, and it is very expensive to change that often. But, uh, you know, you have 60,000 people driving up and down Flamingo every day, um, and it's a great form of uh, communication. So we try to keep, keep people informed as much as possible. Thanks, George. Excellent. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I do have one more question for you. Um, for maybe those people that are listening at home, uh, the Palms has changed quite a bit in the last few years. You've added a lot to the property. Is there any one thing that you're particularly proud of that you would want people to check out if they were coming back for a second time? Um, a lot of things. I, I love the Playboy Club. I think, I think we did. I think just a great, it's just real sexy. And, um, and then the Pearl, probably the Pearl. Um, so proud of that venue. I, I can't watch a show anywhere else. I literally can't. I'm not just saying that. I've heard that from a lot of people. And you know, they, the, sh the shows that we have there, it's a spectacular venue. So that, the Pearl is pretty special. Fantastic. Um, big hand, George Maloof, thanks so Thank much. Thank you very much. Really nice of you to have me on. All right, I want to thank uh, my panel again for being a part of today. I think we're going to give away something else. Is that right, Steve? We have one more little bag of tricks. Uh, is that right, Steve? We've got another giveaway? Is that right? Or am I lying? Okay. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to draw. Um, I guess I'll do it. Drum roll, please. Okay, I hope I don't mangle this. Nick Manteris. Are you here, Nick Manteris? Excellent. You win a bag full of names. Yeah, e email addresses might be worth something for marketing reasons. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I think next up we're going to have our, our Q&A. So I'm going to ask Miles, Steve, Tim, and Michelle to head on up here. And uh, you guys are, are, did a great job. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Be ready to go in about one minute. Sit wherever you'd like. Uh, the way that we're going to do this is we have uh, this wireless mic, and maybe I can get a volunteer. Where did Mike go? Is Mike still here? Mike E. He's here somewhere. Oh, oh there he is. I'm going to have him walk around with this mic. If you want to ask a question, you can, uh, you can hail Mike when we get started here in a second, and he will come by with the microphone so that we can make sure that everybody can hear you. Uh, We're waiting for Steve, so we'll be ready to go in just Steve one moment. Yeah, ready in a second. How y'all doing? <laughs> Do you guys know they serve serve absinthe here? One of our listeners bought us some absinthe. Yeah, it's legal in the United States again now. Wow. Right? We've we've never had it before. It's, it's like not, it's not Jager that great. On crack. Oh, he'll, he'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, okay.
We're getting ready to go. Okay, so if you want to ask a question, this is an open format. You can ask anything you want. We reserve the right not to answer. Um, right. So if you're interested in asking a question, kind of give a little hand wavy wave. We've got, I see one in the back there. At uh -oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Mikey right. is This may be our only question, so it better be good. Mikey is doing the Oprah thing? He is, yeah, he's doing the Oprah thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, this question is for uh, Tim and Michelle. Oh, Shit. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's just like the podcast. When did you decide, uh, well, I know that originally the podcast was just Tim. So the question that I have is, when did Michelle come along in, or get introduced into the podcast and what was, you know, the... We did an anniversary show. Um, not like the year anniversary, but like our actual wedding anniversary. And I was a guest on that and I was super giggly. And uh, we got a few uh, complaint emails about that actually. <laughs> but I was on a couple times after that and people actually wanted me on more regularly. And If you listen to any of the early shows before Michelle was on, wow, they're horrible. <laughs> and uh, if we hadn't started doing the show together, it, we wouldn't have continued doing it. Wouldn't occur, it wouldn't be in existence anymore. So um, after the anniversary show, we started doing shows together periodically, and it was much more comfortable than me sitting in the basement just... Talking to himself. Talking to myself. So that's how it happened. All right. Uh, anybody else out there? Okay, well, we've got one in the front there. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. So you obviously have this incredible interest in, in Las Vegas life and Las Vegas structure and all that. I want to know how that spark, how, how that fire became the fire to Hunter. To me? To um, you. Ooh. Uh, well, um, I think out of the five of us up here, uh, there's only two residents. Well, I know that for a fact. So, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so for the other three of us, you know, we have to have some reason why we're interested in, in Las Vegas, whether it be blogging or podcasting or doing websites or whatever. Um, for me personally, you know, I tell people that I just do like Las Vegas related content and they basically, I think the first thing they assume is that I just love gambling so much that I want to do it. Um, that's really not true. I enjoy playing the games, I think, as much as anybody, but that's really not the reason. I, I remember the first time I came here, uh, and I was, before then, I obviously was aware that Las Vegas existed, but I really didn't care that much about it either way. Um, but I came here, and I saw that this was a place where you could take a 100-acre parcel, build a $2 billion hotel that was like a miniature city, and somehow the economics of that made sense. And there's no other place that's like that. And to me, that was just incredibly fascinating. And it got me into learning more about the colorful, colorful characters that, you know, are involved in all these kinds of places. And uh, it just sort of snowballed from there. So I've been interested ever since. All right. Oh, we got another one up front over there. I don't know. We got to see one. I see a hand right there. This is actually directed at Tim and Michelle again. Um, been having a really great time playing some of the Vegas games, and the biggest question that I have, and I think Tim knows this is coming, boxers or briefs? Uh, boxer briefs. <laughs> we were actually, if we had more time to kill, which a couple of days ago I thought we had about 10 minutes of material, but if we had more time to kill, we were going to invite people up here to play sexy tat or trashy tat. We didn't get there, but maybe next time. 
while you guys are thinking of interesting questions to ask, I actually have a question for both of you individually. So I'll ask Stephen Miles first. As far as doing your weekly show, who does what in terms of production, and how long does it take to do your show? Uh, Steve does everything. Yeah. Uh, Steve writes everything. I just read it. Well, you ask questions and stuff. I ask questions too, but when we started this, um, Steve just automatically was the guy. I mean, he just wrote everything and, um, you know, is the one that corrals the guests because of the nature of his job. And, um, you know, I it just... It takes a lot of time. Moral support. It does take a lot of time. I mean, I, mean, I, th I think that, um, you know, oftentimes I give up a, a piece of my Tuesday or sometimes Monday if I'm actually that well planned, but not often. Um, and then, and sometimes it's a mad dash at the end of the day because there's other sh other work to do, you know, and the work that actually, you know, lets us afford to do such a uh, little, you know, hobby that, you know, perhaps could make a little bit of money. I mean, we're we're different in the sense that we actually go to a studio. We we don't have to, but we we like the feeling of actually going and, you know, having the professional equipment and the you know headphones or whatever. I mean, we could do it from our house, save money and. Probably well, still have the same quality show, but we just like the idea of going to a studio. So. The studio is only $20 a week. That's all it costs us for the hour that we get there, the engineer time, the phone lines when we use them, the live chat, all that stuff. So the, as a shortcut for having to take care of all that technical stuff, fine with us. The, um, the thing I will say is, I mean, we, we ended up doing the show because... I went to LV Rock Studio doing a piece on podcasting when it was new. I discovered that I could do it for 20 bucks a week and let somebody else do all the hard stuff. And, and that's where it, I went home and said, hey, let's do a show. Um, I probably wouldn't have if we had to do it all ourselves at home because I, I, you know, I, 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 I beat up on uh, websites that are ugly and awful and badly organized and so on on my blog RJ. all the time, among others. And, and yet, you know, I mean, I know that my... The, the Ship Podcast website is, 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 is about, it's functional, and uh, that's good enough for me, really, you know, but it's not, it's not gorgeous, and it, you know, perhaps if somebody wants to help us do so, that's great, but you know, it gets to the point where there's so much content on it, it becomes a pain to actually redo it, and you guys had that problem, you, you had to redo your entire thing when you lost all your stuff, didn't you have like a, a hacking situation or something? We, we did get hacked, we had, uh, the main problem with that was we just had a really bad web host. Okay. So we switched web hosts, and that was a whole ordeal. But yeah, we did get hacked at one point. I mean, you had to go and repost all of your blog posts. Uh, a bunch of the comments, yeah. I would go Not crazy. Only for like, a, um, yeah, it didn't. And you've been days. doing your show a year longer than I. It wasn't. It wasn't all the comments. It was just oh. for like a couple weeks or something. But oh, well, you still might hear. We have a good host now, so it shouldn't be an issue anymore. Got it. We hope. So who does what in your in your world? It's kind of the same. I mean, I just. <laughs> he does all the writing. He does the concepts. I mean, I might throw out an idea occasionally here or there, but we had when we had the business cards printed up. I I printed up. Mine says my name, and then it says producer, co-host. Her says co-host slash sassy sidekick. <laughs> so I think it's a similar arrangement. Miles is the sassy Absolutely. sidekick. Absolutely. <laughs> well, look. I mean, I mean, we we get as as great as our content may be. Uh, we get it. We get plenty of people who who comment on Miles' voice. I mean, it's, it, it's like, it's interesting because, you know, people are like, why isn't he on the air more? And that was the funny thing about doing this experience. We've been doing our podcast in a studio with, uh, by ourselves for all this time. Now we're doing it in front of people. Miles produces television. Um, he deals with people all the time who go in front of crowds and do things in front of crowds. 
it must be a little different for you to be the one out there. Yeah, I've never had the desire to be in front of the camera. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, any other questions out there? I, I see a hand over there. Uh, this is for everybody, but first of all, thanks a lot for an afternoon of free entertainment that doesn't, doesn't have a timeshare pitch connected to it. I appreciate that. Well. Yeah. Well, actually, at the end. At the end, I knew it. Uh, have you ever uh, heard of a Tahiti village? Yeah. Because <laughs> free show tickets? Exactly. Is Tanya Roberts doing those ads for you now? No. Um, I, the question for all of you is that podcasting is evolving and changing so quickly with with live shows and video shows. Um, do you guys plan on stepping outside of your comfort level and maybe evolving into something different or morphing? Or where do you see the shows going over the next few years? I mean, we, we've always done a live show. It's always been live on the internet. Um, you could come to the chat room and listen to us from almost the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing was, we didn't think anybody would come. So we just were doing our show, and we didn't even talk about it. And then we started having listeners who figured it out and started showing up in the chat room and saying, hey, how come you don't talk about the chat room? Then maybe more people will come. And we're like, ah, they won't, but they did. And so it sort of evolved. But we always, we always had the option. We just never bothered with it for the first year or so. I, I, I would love to do more stuff. I mean, the way that we record our, our show is we have five people on the show that are spread between different parts of California and Las Vegas. So we actually use like the equivalent of your business center conferencing type phone deal, call in and record kind of thing. Um, we could easily add listeners or other participants. Um, I know from the comments that I get on, uh, on my website that we have a lot of very smart and engaged people that are listening. I would love to get people more involved, whatever that might mean, because there's a lot of really interesting opinions out there. I mean, I mean, these people know as much as the hosts oftentimes, and it can be great to get more, more input from them, for sure. I am incredibly lazy. <laughs> what you hear is what you will continue to get. <laughs> <laughs> for the near future. Who knows? We might change it up at some point, but for now, it's what it is, and if you like it, you like it, and if you don't, we'll see. There, there have been times that we've been dis we discussed the idea of doing a video podcast because you know we have the celebrities and so on. The problem is that the practical reality of getting these people in person makes it. Tr we used to pretty much from in the beginning, the first I'd say six months, almost all of our guests were live on our show when we did it. And it was just really hard to get them to be available at that time on that day. It became a lot easier when I was able to just record the interview whenever a mutual time of which there was many more options than what we have. And I just don't know that there is, you know, I mean, it would be really hard. We'd have to, we'd have, to have a TV presence in order to get those people to actually show up in person. To do video, the amount of work required is like an exponentially larger number. It's just incredibly so much more work. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, at least for me personally, I, I can't imagine adding that much to my workload and actually still being able to do it. To do it well. Right. Definitely to do it well. Yeah. Any other questions out there in TV land? I see a couple hands. Go back we've got there. Mike in the back and we've got Ferrari cap guy. Let's hit Mike and, f and then, uh, and then okay, Red Cap guy. Troy. Hi, Hello. Troy from Las Vegas. Troy! Hey, oh, it's Troy! Hi. I can barely see you. Hey, welcome, Troy. Thank you. He's a celebrity. So, it being so much more work and laziness aside, maybe we can split the difference and what about like a slide cast? Have you, have you heard of this? The slide cast? Side cast? Slide I can cast. Slide cast. sort of hear you. Can you speak right yeah. into the mic? Slide cast. Slide cast. It's, it's a slide like what your, our grandparents used to show, you know, uh -huh. to entertain oh. us before television. 
Sure. And, uh, but it's not quite video. It's just you'll show us a slide. It's like, yeah, say, like a PowerPoint? Is, you know, like a PowerPoint, yeah. You could do something like that, no? Is that done, really? It I is. There is a, I can. Biggestry.com, I think, does that. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. They haven't done a show since. Yeah, yeah. it's been it's a been while. I'll get right on that. Yeah, I, I uh, that not on the top of my list, but uh, you know, I gotta say it's funny because there it's are an interesting uh, idea. in GarageBand you can um, create chapters for your shows, and our show would be a, a logical because there are certain sections of our show that people want. They want the trivia question, they want the top tourist tip, they don't care about the, that particular interview, whatever it is. Um, and yet, I still just haven't got the energy to find out how. Well, I'm sure it's really easy. To do, to on the technical side of the chapters thing, because I've been asked to do chapters and I tried it for then a Then you show. have two feeds, too. Well, yeah, because you can't use, this might get a little too technical for some folks that don't care. This is the kind of... Traditionally, podcaster MP3 format audio files, like something you would rip from a CD. To do chapters, you have to do a format called AAC, which is widely supported by iTunes and iPods and many other media players. But I've actually gotten complaints for that one episode I did AAC. I got complaints people that could only do uh, MP3s. And I think, hmm. I, was it, I think Jeff maybe asked me for an AAC or something. Somebody was asked, one of my regular listeners asked me for the chapters, and it sounded like a great idea, and it's really easy. But I got a lot of complaints from people that couldn't play it. And I was surprised, but they're like, yeah, I have my, you know, stone wheel player from 1902 <laughs> and it doesn't right. support AAC. <laughs> the people who are here for New Media Expo are loving this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other questions? I, oh, one in the back. Yeah, Mike. I just had a question for uh, Steve about the Steve Wynn interviews. Um, in a lot of the interviews, you, since you can't actually see him, it seems like at some point he starts talking like this, Steve, and he starts going really fast, and the tempo picks up, and I, it sounds almost like the guy is angry. And is he angry in those bits, or have you ever like have you, has he gotten angry in interviews, or is that just like is he getting excited or what? Because he I picks up the it. pace. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike. You're, it's a little bit hard to hear. So, Miles, did you oh, hear the question? I'm, I, I'm, yes. I'm okay, sorry. I'm, I'm no, no, it's okay. Miles heard the question. Is Win angry when he's talking to you? Oh, okay. No, Win just is very excitable. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the he question was, is he yeah, Well, let me put it this way. There are occasions when Win gets angry during conversation. Um, he's saying that his, uh, his cadence picks up and he just seems to get Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, you know, he, he gets, he gets uh, it's a little bit like a thunderstorm. I, I, I've kind of learned, and I'm sure Jeff uh, Simpson, who interviews him often, will agree. Uh, he it's like a thunderstorm, and you kind of know that it's a, it'll pass if you just shut up and, and wait long enough. Um, it, yeah, I, 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 I tend to think that when he gets excited, there's actually an opportunity there to make pretend make up with him, and then all of a sudden he'll like be nicer. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird relationship. I haven't you know gone in it, into it in a little while, and perhaps it'll be you know I'll have to get back at it because there's been a lot of stories lately about Wynn and his. His job thing and the business with Joe Francis is weird. At you least guys, you guys didn't even uh, talk about it, did you? Not yet. Um, At least you're more than thirty percent accurate. What's that? At least you're more than thirty percent accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, had, you had George Maloof on here, and we were out at the bar. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but did you ask George Maloof if he had stars who have who have not paid their bills? I did not ask. I would have loved to. Okay. Anyway. Any other questions Stay tuned out there? For the trip. <laughs> oh, yes, um, so we got one over here. All right. Olympic torch on the way. All right, running over. There we go. I just wanted to see him run across the room. Are you guys available for photos with your legion of fans here after the show's over? Uh, I'm sure. Sure. Okay. 
I think I gotta tell you, it's funny because you know a, a number of you folks came came up to us and, and you know, you're, you're fans of one or one or more of our shows, and you wanted to say hello and terrific, and please do that. Um, there was a woman who was like walking up to me with a with a paper napkin, and she says to me, and she was she looked right at me. I wasn't like mistaken exactly. I guess I was, but she said, she said "Can you autograph this?" And I'm thinking, "Wow, how nice!" Uh, sure. And she said, "No, no, no, carrot top." <laughs> so, yeah. Caratop's head will swell, mine won't. Well, I loved your uh, Robert Earl story because I hadn't heard the second half of the story I know, until just I, now. I, I that was fantastic. You. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Very funny. All right. All right, any other questions? Or are we. Oh, okay, yep, we've got one down here. Actually, it's two questions. What do you guys use for mics when you do your podcast? I know Steve and Miles from LV Rocks, I know what you guys use, but what do you use? Because I do one too. I'm always. Looking what other hosts use for their podcast. Also, what do you guys do when guests no show you when you're doing a live show? Uh, well, I can answer my mic question fast because we don't use microphones. We use the telephone because we're using the whole very ghetto phone system setup. So that's an easy one. I think uh, Michelle's microphone is an SM58 from Sure, and I'm using an MXL. I no fucking idea. Um, I think I have it on our website. If you check out 500bymidnight.com, plug. I think I have a something under about the podcast that says what it is. It it was three years ago when I bought it, so I don't even remember anymore. But an MXL of some sort for my. And we we haven't had a guest flake on us. Well, George Wallace came on the show and pretended he was in the cab, and then I, and then at dinner, but he really wasn't either place, and nobody knows what the hell was going on with that. Um, John Lovitz. What, John, John Lovitz. Did, did he? There was somebody who, who a comedian I interviewed who was in New York City at a cafe, and it was and she she, she like, God, I can't remember who it was. Anybody? Who? Caroline Ray. Yes, Caroline Ray of all people. Um, remember she she was sort of like there, but she wasn't there, and she 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 got it was it was. Weird, but we've been very very lucky I, on my other show, the Pet Cast, where we are a little bit more dependent, actually completely dependent on live guests. There have been a couple of occasions where they haven't shown up, and we just have skipped that show. We just oh well, we'll just we'll just only do three shows this day or two shows that day, and whatever it is. But you know, the Pet Cast is. Never I think good. the beauty of it is is that we don't have as large an audience that is listens to us live as we do obviously that you know gets it from iTunes or whatever so right. it's the beauty of editing I mean we don't even have to worry about it well that's true too I mean yeah we do we do a bit of editing I don't know how much editing you guys do um, if at all um, not a lot just a little little but you know well and that's the, that, that is the beauty of the, of the live show for us is that the people that the listeners know that we're, they're listening to the raw version and that we're going to screw up and we, we, we play to it and, and they drink when we do, you know, and they hear, they hear <laughs> things that other than once a year, they don't, they, uh, you know, the, the, the audience doesn't hear. I will, I will say, however, that, um, I forget what I was going to say, never mind. What was I going to say? Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, okay. awesome. Okay, anybody else? Oh, yep. I, I know you do the podcast for the love of it and uh, it's a hobby, but how much... Uh, thought do you give to listenership and growing an audience and does that come into play at all or do you not care about how many people listen to you? <laughs> we don't give a shit. I mean, I, at least for me, um, I would probably do it if there was nobody listening. Uh, honestly, at least for my show, it's basically five guys talking about uh, Las Vegas, mostly, mostly Las Vegas gaming industry issues, which is, I would just love to talk to these guys anyway. It's just sort of a matter, it just happens to be that we record it and release it. Um, you know, I personally, I would take basic steps to increase listenership 
I have yeah, I would love to have more people listen to it, but it's not something that I obsess about at all or even worry about. I was really obsessive about checking stats when I first started doing the show. And the longer we've been doing it, the less that I tend to do that. And yeah. now it's just we have fun doing it every weekend. And we love the listener calls. That is so much fun. Right. That's, that's what's really kept us doing it. If it, was, if it weren't for the emails and the listener calls, we probably wouldn't be doing it anymore. It's Absolutely. the feedback we get. I don't really care how many people are listening. It's the fact that we have a very engaged mm-hmm. listenership. Mm-hmm. People really, for whatever reason, like what we're doing, and they like to participate in it. So that's what's kept us going. And I'm, I'm going to admit here, I mean, one of the other things that, one of the other reasons we do our show is because it is a, another way for me as a freelance journalist to keep my hand in different types of media. I get an opportunity to break stories and then people read about that somewhere else. And I mean, it, it's, a, it's a piece of a much larger puzzle in my career. And I'm just really blessed that I get uh, to do it with my, my partner, and uh, my partner happens to be extremely talented, um, you know, is, is terrific as well. I, I don't know what I would have done if it turned out he wasn't any good at it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was... It we was wouldn't have done it. Probably not. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I think much like Tim and Michelle, we were, we were very much that way yeah. in the beginning. We were looking at the numbers and seeing right. who was listening. But just like you guys said, I mean, it is so much about emails and phone calls. And I just get tickled when somebody, you know, picks up something that I said or you said, you know, and, you know, runs with it in an email. I just, yep. It well, means yeah. the world. And the other thing is that, I mean, I don't know about, about you guys have a sort of a steady thing, but, but we have like, like what's the equivalent of like newsstand sales. I mean, if it's Steve Wynn, the numbers go crazy. And perhaps if it's, well, I used to say Carrot Top, but I wouldn't say that right now. Caroline Ray. If it was Caroline <laughs> Ray, it would, you know, the numbers are lower and, you know, and, and yet sometimes they pop. And what, what I was going to say earlier about the live thing is that we, occasionally we have somebody with a tremendous internet following. Alanis Morissette is an example of that. Eddie Izzer turned out to be an example of that. And Bette Midler are the three I'm thinking of. And when that happens, we end up getting people in the chat room who have no idea what's happening. They don't understand why we're not talking to the, to the, to the person. They don't understand why we're not playing the entire interview, because sometimes we drop in part of it. I, they don't, it's just a, it's perplexing. But, and and with, when it was like the Atlantis Morsa people, they came in like those uh, little insects under the toenails in that commercial. And they were like yelling at people, and they were flaming us. And Miles was telling me not to t- look at the chat, because it was getting me upset. And, you know, and that happens too. But for the most part, we have a really nice, engaged audience who come every week, every Tuesday. And uh, you know, it's great. I think that's part of what uh, surprised us is is that we are essentially a celebrity podcast. I mean, that's what we, you know, a Vegas celebrity podcast. And we were surprised when we looked at the numbers and, and discovered that the, the more popular shows are the executives, are the, you know, Sometimes. the people that run this town um, yeah. for the most part. So Well, and, and to be honest with you, you all sitting out there. When Miles got here this afternoon, he, th- he, he wasn't quite convinced that you were all here for us. <laughs> he was convinced. I that thought maybe they were. They saw the lights on and they came in to have a beer and <laughs> relax. <laughs> so it was free stuff. It was a thrill like for for to see everyone here. So, so. Well, we're we're really. It, this has been a terrific turnout. We're so yeah. glad you guys yeah. are here. Fantastic. Time, like we said, Thank it, you. It, we we do it because it's interesting to us, but we do it because we get your response. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any other questions? I think we're good. I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much, all, for coming. Thanks, everybody. Thank